The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. This week on the podcast, it's all about wine. Wine from Italy, wine from France, from New Zealand, and the importance of wine hospitality in the Republic of Georgia. You're making wines so that if a guest comes to visit, you have the wine to share with them. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. Oh, and of course, as soon as I you should have recorded hit, that. As soon as I hit record, uh, the thing pops up. Today, my my internet connection is unstable, and dogs and dogs start barking. We finally got this thing dialed in. Dogs start barking. People drive by. My windows open. Almost professional. <laughs> and we, yeah, it took a while to get this show going. So we had. But we finally, it looks like Sam, you and Bart are, are you in the same building or are you just at the same? We're, we're a, a driveway across from each other. Okay. You're over at the, at the other spot. Okay. And John Myers I'm, is at I'm, home. Bart is in the, in the tasting house. John Myers, is that your dog? I'm here with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> He's the radio pro amongst us. Let's, I'm let's not forget. <laughs> You muted your dog. Muted your dog. I want to permanently. <laughs> How's it going, Brian? Hey, it's going. It's going good, Sam. We decided to, uh, for the show today that we were going to go through um, new new lineup. So we were going to do all the new releases um, for sixteen six hundred, and then um, Bart is doing a Bart. Do we want to? Talk about the sample pack, or did you already sell yeah. out of those? Okay, no, so no, we'll talk about sure. it. So, so Bart is doing a Zen um, sample pack that I believe is uh, 2010, 13, 14, right? Um, and uh, 13, 14, and 18. Oh, well, wait, wait a minute. What happened to the 10? We'll go 10, 13, 14, 18. It will be oh, so, four oh, bottles. Okay, so it's a it's a three pack with four bottles. I got you. Yep, and the and the <laughs> eighteen is a pre-release. It'll be a little uh, pre-release oh, a, for the people. It's a sneak peek. It's a sneak peek. Okay, and so I got to try. I didn't get to try the eighteen, but I got to try the ten, the thirteen, and the fourteen um, last week at the at the winery. So I don't have those in front of me, but I got all Sam's bottles in front of me. Six bottles. Um, you scared Maria this morning. Scared my wife because she came down and saw all this wine in front of me, and she knows that I have to work. So she she was wondering what the fuck's going on. I was going off the rails, <laughs> and so not going in today, honey. <laughs> and and before we get started, Bart, you just wanted to do a little shout out to um to Jeff over at uh, Flora Coffee, I think. Yeah, you know, um, I stopped in there uh, on a whim after hearing the uh, podcast uh, from the bike goes on. And stopped in for a cup of coffee like a week ago and uh, really enjoyed it. They, you know, do a nice pour over, um, great location, really nice people. And then I stopped in again today. And again, uh, I got one of their, uh, their iced coffees or the, no, it's not iced. It's the uh, cold, 
cold brewed. Mm. Um, and, Where is this uh, place? Uh, so flatbed, it's flatbed at farm. the what's the name of the farm, Stan? Flat, flatbed Farms. I mean, Brian. Yeah, Flatbed. Can you guys hear oh, me? Oh, up in um, right towards Glen Ellen. Uh, right, just, right. Just to say that seven times fast. Uh, just, just north of uh, the regional park. Yes, yeah. and there. So on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're there. Um, right now, they're just in a in a moving container, and now they're getting ready to move into a really cool moving container. And um, yeah, it's just nice nice spot to check out. Um, good coffee, good people. And Brian, you know the background a little bit. Well, Jeff Jeff is um, Jeff works at the Fairmont. When he you know when when we are doing banquets and catering again, he's he's a server for banquets and catering. And him, you know, he kind of wanted to start this company originally when Sandra was going to go uh, open up Noodle Spring over in Boys Hot Springs. They were going to join forces and they so they were Sandra was going to have the noodles and salads and then they were going to do their coffee thing and then that just kind of all went uh, fell through so um, so they went out to flatbed farms and uh, they're just super super sweet people and there's they're so into coffee there's like a whole community of people that are into like hardcore into coffee like we're into wine and they'll actually Jeff will drive to different spots in the bay area to go to other people's, he, they're not going to Starbucks or Pete's. They go to these little tiny places where people are getting, they're like sourcing their coffee from like, you know, a specific family in Ecuador where the, the monkey eats the beans and then shits them out and then you wash them and roast them. I mean, it's that, it's that kind of shit. It's, it's super cool. <laughs> so there's nice story though. Nice brand story. Have, have you ever had that kind of coffee, John? There's, there's a certain coffee where the, I've heard about it. There, there's, I, I don't know if it's elephants or is it monkeys? I, I, it might, yeah, who knows? I don't think it matters. Is it monkey or a bird? Whatever it is, they, they eat the coffee beans and then they shit them out. And something about inside their stomach, the, the gastric juices like do something to the coffee bean that, that breaks it down and it has this distinct. It's, 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 the, it's the acid. It's all about it. It's all yeah. about acid, bro. It's all about the acid, baby. <laughs> So we wanted to we just wanted to get a shout out to them and and also to um, you know today's show is going to be sponsored by Coravin because we we all have our you know you got six bottles of wine on the table you got to have your Coravin C O R A V I N Coravin <laughs> and and I gotta give Jasmine a big shout out here too because she like real quick really set me up here in the. I'll call it the theater room. Is that fair, Sam? Is this the theater yeah, room? Yeah, sure. The front room. I just call it, we just call it the front room. I think. <laughs> and then, and, then, and now she's got the wines or a couple of the wines for me also. I, you know. I, well, I threw a curveball um, at you. I threw a curveball at you. I'm, you're just getting the, the full, the Simons experience that, with, with Marsan and, and Cabernet. Uh, well, that's, that's okay. Cause I opened the rosé at home last night. Oh, good. And, um, and, uh, and I, and I, so yeah. So thanks. It's awesome. You're welcome. And you, you guys at home can't see Bart, but he is sitting in the front room of the tasting house. I was gonna, I'm gonna grateful dead out. photos hanging on the wall behind. Definitely looks the hippest of any of us. You win the, that. you win the room raider. <laughs> yeah. you know, you've seen that on on Twitter. It's like they they rate people's offices that they do their Zoom interviews from. You definitely win the room raider of. Uh, 
of, of today's episode. No, you don't, like, on there, Bart. you don't like my daughter's artwork and her medals yeah, from it's, swimming? It is a, it's a wine <laughs> podcast, Brian. It's a, it's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I had to find a spot in the house where I had actually had Wi-Fi. Hey, and quick shout out to MJ Towler, a.k.a. Black Wine Guy, who just recorded his first podcast with um, – who was it, Sam, that he did? It was a, it's a master. Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson, Wilson uh, one MS. Of the, one of the famous psalms of the movie. So not that will uh, – not Ian Cobble. Yeah, the other one. <laughs> the other – some other some other guy from so that – whatever that is. <laughs> right. So so we'll look forward to, to, um, to listening to that soon. And those, those of you that um, are following him now because you heard him on the show – and have ordered your Black Wine Guy t-shirts, uh, recognize, why don't you post a picture on Instagram so we can check it out. So let's let's get into some some wine, unless you guys want to talk about COVID or smoke. <laughs> no, I think there are, those subjects are overdone at the moment. Yeah, well done. Right. <laughs> All right, so so Sam, I'm gonna let you take us through the, the, the lineup. The lineup. This is this is like cold read because I um because of how much I prepared. So we'll see we'll see where we get. I'll have to remember all the wines. Um, so this is the the fall Phil sent me uh release. So we do six wines um you know twice a year, uh, and I I always like to try and keep it interesting. The goal is that it's always new wines. Um although we're not quite landing on that goal this year. And, and I've talked about this before, basically because of how much wine we didn't make in 17, we have these holes that I kind of need to fill. So it's, it's three, maybe four, it's four brand new wines and then two repeats, but we're going to talk about all of them, I guess. Um, so the first one is the Rosé, which it sounds like everybody's starting to get into, um, which is the Isabel Gossier Sonoma Valley Rosé. Um, then the Rossi Roussan, which uh, I, I... Well, you said a lot there, Sam. I said a lot? Isabel Gassier. Yeah. You mentioned that. So what role does she play in this one? She's the, she is the winemaker of that this one. That makes it really special. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool. You know, 18 as well, um, but 19, it's even more sort of Isabel taking the reins and, and running with it on it. Um, it's, it's a blend. It, you know, it's, it's got some Mavedra in there. Uh, it's mostly Grenache. It's labeled as Grenache. Um, but it's you know, basically what it is, um, is green drop uh, harvest through a few different of our, you know, vineyards. So some steel plow, some Rossi, uh, a new Grenache vineyard that we have coming online, uh, in, in our neighborhood, Bart, down there at uh, Bill Welsh's property. Uh, yeah. Olive. Um, so it's, it's, it's not a single vineyard wine, but this is Isabel's, uh, you know, uh, intent to create, you know, really fresh, really, really interesting, but really just like pretty crushable. Um, you know, it's, it's light. It's, it's got this light color. Um, and you know, she, the other thing that she really wanted to emphasize with the rosés in 19 was making it very different from the Adutet, yeah, which, which we've had. And the Adutet is like, is, is mind blowing. It's like an orange wine, basically. Um, this is, you know, got that sort of color, but it's, it's like, it's like rosé from the south of France. Totally. No, nailed it. Yeah. And the kiwi flavors on this are oh, insane. Yeah. It's it's like biting into a cold 
um, kiwi. And you got a little bit of mandarin orange going, um, a little bit of watermelon rind. Like, yeah, got that acid from the from the watermelon rind. But the kiwi is just like super. It's it's very it's very delicate and very fresh. I yeah. mean, it, it it really is like very fresh. Even though on the aromas, at least when I first opened it, it's a little closed. But like five ten minutes in the glass, it starts to open up. Which, um, well, you know, this was. This it's only going to get better. This was bottled in May. Um, right. You know, so now we're, what this is, September. This was bottled literally uh, four months ago. So I think it's probably just now starting to come out of its shell. You know, who, totally. who releases freaking delicate light rosé in the fall? Um, well, we do. Uh, <laughs> but it's because, you know, that's when the wine is, is going to be starting to really hit its stride. And this this is different because you guys normally did single vineyard rosé, so different labeled right. as Sonoma Valley. Labeled so as Sonoma Valley, and it's and it's going to be priced like um, like the the Sonoma Valley's in. Uh, I think we've talked about a little bit, which is you know uh, usually is our our um, by the glass wholesale offering but uh, since that didn't happen i sold a bunch of that to customers for the first time really offered it to customers um in in the spring and so it's going to be in that in that price range 25 bucks a bottle um you know it's it's trying to be you know um a little bit more of a value kind of buy a case sort of deal and then will you just will you um will you just cover because i know there's a lot of people that are that that know but there's probably some people that don't when you say green drop what are you talking about yeah so especially with grenache which um can have some sort of like varying levels of of veration you know even when grenache is ripe there'll still be berries out there that are pink or kind of yellowish it's just like one of the things that grenache does so in order to to make sure that your Grenache, your final red wine, has has really good color, um, we'll go through two or three weeks before you'd anticipate picking the Grenache for red wine. And usually, we just cut that stuff off. The you know, if a cluster is more than like twenty or thirty percent, you know, without color, um, usually it'll it'll hit the ground. Um, but it makes for um, it makes for great rosé. You know, if we pick the whole vineyard at, at that moment, it'd make great rosé. So just going through and picking some of it, essentially, um, stuff that would normally have, have hit the ground, and you kind of capture the vineyard at that point in the in the ripening curve uh, and still make red wine from there also. Make the red wine better. You know, we'll, we'll be green dropping Rossi probably pretty soon. That was the last time you were up there, Bart. When you and I were up there last week, I was going yeah, to see if you, you know, wanted to go up and t and take another walk through it here. Yeah, I think we should probably. It's been it's been a week. So now, know. if you guys are going to green drop Rossi Ranch, are you going to try and make something out of those grapes too, or are you just going to drop fruit? Um, the there will be some of the Rossi fruit in, and there is Rossi fruit in the Sonoma Valley Rosé. Right. Um, we just lose Brian. Brian is. Brian is frozen and it's in this like it kind of looks like one of those filters when you know you make a picture look like a painting. Uh, it's kind of cool. So we should, we should after that for posterity. Uh, yeah, well, and he started to warble first and we kind of there he, he's sort of he's back. back. <laughs> kind of. 
The scary weird, thing it's is, one of those things like he's in a coma though you know it's like can he hear us talking about him or not he can't talk back but it's possible <laughs> that he's hearing what we're saying so just keep talking at, at least the recording <laughs> um light is still on so that's the that's right. the main thing uh, yeah, I, you know i am oh there we are we're back. i am amazed how sometimes when you listen back to the show how things that you think didn't get recorded come out just fine right um so yeah he looks like he's back. He's back. Nope. He's okay. Definitely getting are, more are wine. You, he's Corvin in his next wine. Corvin? What's a Corvin? It's the best It's the coolest thing ever. So Bart, you had the the Rus the Marson, right? Correct. Yeah. That's that's kind of like the sister to the Simon's cab. Um, well, so wait a minute. Did, well, that won't actually. That'll be like kind of an an adjunct offer um but not one of the the six that i'm sending out um i just like but there is a simon's russon also right uh the there is russon at the simon's property um but like and some of it might end up in that bottle that says marson but the simon's family makes the russon uh, okay so they take whatever they need and if there's any left we get a little bit but it just goes in. It's it's you know, ninety some odd percent Marsan. Well, this is interesting. It's it's got a little mintiness on the nose. You're on. So, but you have the Rus. You have the Rusan though. I have the Rusan. You have the Rossi Rusan. Yeah. 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 See, and that Sam, you had given me a bottle of the Rossi Rusan a month or so ago. Right. Probably uh, right when which we I got labels on it. Yeah, and and which which I opened up and. Uh, you, Minty. I, I don't know that I took it as minty as I took it a little bit of a of a cool herbal element to it when I tasted it. Um, mm-hmm. Brian's pointing at me like maybe he he is in agreement. Oh, now he's frozen again. Anyway, um, but the thing about the Rusan also is the the Rusan is bold and um, right. uh, is is big and rich and um, really mouth feeling, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, the the thing that's crazy about the Rusan. So this is you know, the the core component of the homage blanc, and um, but to see it kind of stand alone, a just sort of like makes the the craziness of the homage blanc even more because of how powerful this is, and yet all the like how different the the homage blanc is. But Rusan all on its own, as ripe as this is, and to have all that mouthfeel and all that fruit. Um, but, and, you know, it's, and it's 14 and a half percent alcohol on the label. Um, this is a, this is a, a mammoth wine, but to still have enough acidity that there's like minty fresh herbal notes, yeah. um, is just like, it's just kind of mind blowing. And can you guys hear me now? Am I good? Hey, you're good. Yeah. Okay. So what, and what I get from this, you know, Roussan, you, you typically get apples and, you know, if you're picking it early, you're getting green apple. If you're picking a little bit later, you get a little bit of baked apple, um, this definitely has some great apple flavor, but also almost like picholine olive. It's got this really interesting um, backbone to it. And the finish is incredibly long. Yeah, I, I'm uh, pretty stoked with this. I don't know if there's going to, you know, it's a totally different year out there. I don't know if there'll be 100% Rusan in 2020. Um, but it's definitely something that we'll keep playing with when we can because. Uh, you picked a good year and a good vineyard to to 
to work for wine, Brian. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is get grapes from Phil and um, not not be stupid. Right. <laughs> Phil, Phil farmed and then stay out of the way. Yeah, there you go. That was the plan. Mm, that's really tasty, Sam. Brian, what could you have done to screw up those grapes? Um, oh, there's all kinds of stuff, John. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can try and do too much, I think, probably is what some people would do, is try and make the wine taste the way that they want to instead of just let the wine be itself. That 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 was just my plan from the beginning. You know, I'm not I'm not throwing in I'm not putting it in new French oak. I'm not um you know th throwing any stuff into it to make it taste a certain way. It's like it's like just just letting it letting it speak for itself. So it, and, and it was way different than than Sam's. And I think part of it was, you know, I remember Jeff Cohn when I when I asked him before we actually picked the grapes, you know, you got any advice? And he said something about fermenting it hot. He's like, you got to keep the heat up. You got to keep the heat up. And, you know, you're in a warehouse. So I don't know, besides putting a, um, you know, an electric blanket over the barrel or something, I don't know exactly, you know, that you could probably do that. But what happened with my wine is that it, it, it started fermenting and then as the weather got cooler, it sort of shut down because it's in a warehouse, you know, and then as the weather warmed up, then it kind of came back on. So it took a, a longer time to ferment. And maybe that's what Jeff was talking about is maybe he was just saying, Hey, keep it hot to try and finish the fermentation rather than let it go as long um, as Bart and I did was, which is, you know, just letting it be at um, whatever you, you know, at, Ambient. The other thing about this, Brian, this this Roussan, um, so you you know that vineyard. Think, put yourself in the middle of that Roussan block, and the part that you got your grapes from is closer to the woods. It's a little bit higher elevation, a little bit different soil, a little more or less Chenin Blanc, depending on if you ask Randy Feldman or not, um, and. Um, we picked that earlier. It was ready at an earlier date. What went into this one was down at the bottom by the road. And we picked it almost two weeks later. Wow. Um, so, it, it, you know, what does it say? Who knows? I mean, again, it's 1919 with the crop load and, and um, the weather. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to know, you know, what that means and try and, you know, build off of it, but you know, two extra and, weeks and, on your roots on maybe yeah. is a good thing. Well, and it's interesting and I, and that, sorry, Bar, I was just going to say that both the barrels, you know, it's two barrels and they taste different. You know, it's the same juice that you put into those barrels, but they had their own separate journey right. to get dry. So one of them um, um, tastes a little bit sweeter and the other one tastes a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more acidity to it. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, I mean, they're sitting side by side. Right. Yeah, and I think to, to Jeff's point about keeping it hot, I think kind of what he was talking about is, you know, any fermentation, and Brian, when your fermentation started to slow down, they were getting towards the end of their life, you know, and, and what he was encouraging was if you keep them warm, they'll finish quicker, you can get sulfur in them quicker, et cetera, et cetera. We kind of took it a little bit slower because, you know, as we, you had talked about the Kongsgard, 
you know, model. And even though that was all joking, it's kind of what happened. You know, the, the fermentation did start to tail, started to slow down at the end. Yeah. And, and we were patient with it and, and it, and it did, and it, you know, finished up. And um, so it's just a stylistic, you know, um, conversation. If you have to stick your barrels out in the sun every day to get them to ferment um, and you're warming them up, it's, it, and it's not a negative thing, but it's going to have a different aspect on, on the wine. You know, it's going to treat the wine um, fermentation a little differently. So um, yeah. it's, it's purely what you're comfortable with. And, and, and I don't mind being mentioned in the same sentence as Consgard. I mean, that's all right. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> even, even if you say it yourself, right? That's right. I mean, that's, that's 20 bucks more a bottle right there. <laughs> and it never got, you know, I think what happened, you know, with some of the Consgard Chardonnays, though, is that they go through a kind of funky period with those really long fermentations that they would actually be um, not pleasant aromas coming off of the wine and that that never happened um right with, with the Roussan. it never got into you a know, funky place speaking of Kongsgard, i saw i got an email from backroom wines over in napa and they were offering Kongsgard albarino which <laughs> i think is um very very limited it's from the hyde vineyard and very very limited production that i you know it's one of these covid things i think he only sold it to restaurants and um, having uh, that market go away, um, he offered it out to, I guess, his clientele or maybe he just has extra of it because of um, no, ho no restaurants. So um, looks like an interesting wine to try. Uh, yeah, we should get a couple bottles and Cordovan one. Yeah. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> C-O-R-A-V-I-N. Coravin. I obviously missed the pre-meeting about this. Um, <laughs> we we and I, and I don't and I don't have a Coravin yet. So I think uh, you're about maybe to. I should think about uh, looking into getting a Coravin. Yeah, we're gonna take care of that after this show, and we're we're sort of we're out of capsules. We need more capsules too. And we're out of gas. <laughs> we're out of gas. Well, no, I think you just, I think, well, no, it's argon. It's not CO2. I was going to say, because you can just get the ones to fill, uh, fill bi bicycle tires. If you do. I knew, I knew <laughs> I've seen a hot rotted Corvin where somebody like took it and put a hose on it where the, like a hose fitting where the, where the gas canister would go and connect it to a tank so that you never run out of gas. <laughs> but then yeah. you, you, know, you also like are only Corvin in your, your bottles at, in one location. Or you're taking well, it. and if you happen to, you know, hit the uh, the regulator, bump the regulator, and it's too high, it might be throwing the corks out of the bottle. Yeah, or exploding bottles is probably right. more. Yeah, right. Well, and there's yeah. supposedly there's a model. Okay, so there's one I know. I talked to a som from a different Fairmont property. They had some sort of system for corvinning sparkling wine, which I thought was kind of cool because then you could serve, you could serve like some super cool vintage um, champagnes. You know, BTG. And then also the next thing that I heard is that they are going to come out with, and this is exactly what I need at work, is one that has a digital readout that you can press either three ounces or six ounces, and it will just put out that much wine. Cool. Because when you're doing it on the floor, you know how it is, Sam, when you're using the Corbin a lot, sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's a little more challenging. It depends on the cork, the bottle, all this kind of different stuff, the angle you're at, and then the spray afterwards, you know, it can be a little 
it can be it's not let's just say it's not like a super clean efficient thing sometimes but if you can get it to where you can just push a button and the exact amount comes out that would be game changer especially if you're dealing with like a super rare old bottle or something you know you don't want you don't want to slip and you know if you're it's a hundred dollars a three ounce pour and you accidentally pour four ounces it makes a big difference yeah because that, that's what we're using it for is opus synchronon verite um so yeah you're right those kind of things you, you kind of want it to be measured out so you can keep an eye on your wine costs but anyway uh, one of my like early early instagram posts was when they were doing that coravin um program at at the fairmont and our Syrah was on the Corvin list for like $17 a glass. And because of it was alphabetized, I think I've told the story before because it's alphabetized 16,600 came right after screaming Eagle, which was like $1,700. a uh, Corvin no, or something. no, it was only 900. Oh, it was only 900. My, my bad. But <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was strange bedfellows, alphabetical bedfellows there. Well, that's one of the things you do, right? When you, because uh, I've seen that guy at, at Bar Rescue, John Taffer, you know, you always put like an expensive thing on on the menu just so your your kind of expensive thing doesn't look as expensive. That's one of those right. tricks. Yeah. Because a $17 glass of Syrah from Sonoma Mountain from winery nobody's ever heard of is pretty expensive when you actually think about it. <laughs> it, it, but, it but it looks really good next to a $900 glass of Screaming Eagle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because okay, if sure. they would, because if they would have listed it correctly, it probably would have been, you know, if it would have been listed by winery, it would have been right after Woodridge, and that wouldn't have been quite as good. Um, maybe <laughs> I could have caught a little like love off of William Selium or something, you know. Who does? Who Bart? I, I know. I don't know if you still ever got a chance to try the Chenin Blanc, but I had some guests in last week that were they were supposed to go to William Selium last week, and because they're wine club members, they came into town and then. William Selium had closed their tasting room because of the fires or smoke. I don't know. I think it was fires. I think they got evacuated. Yeah, and sure. so we had a big long conversation about, about the winery and Bob Cabral and, and they were like, do you know they do a Chenin Blanc? And I said, actually I do. I got a bottle of it one time that I was supposed to give to bar. <laughs> and they also do a port that um, I think only goes out to wine club members too, which is kind of cool. Wait, Bart, you make, you make Chenin Blanc? Sorry. <laughs> They're not a lot left. Um, I'm, I'm sitting on two and a half cases at the hotel and I took it off the BTG list right now because we're, um, cause what we're doing is just different from what we normally do, but I can't wait till we get to start indoor dining again. And, and I get to put it back on the list cause I'll be the only one that has that 16 Shannon. So there's, there's about a case of it at bottle barn still. And uh, anybody out there, uh, if you want to go get a bottle of it from Bottle Barn, it'd be, it'd be great to show some love out there. And then Todd's got a couple cases of it or a case and a half of it. It's still at best. So there's a little bit of a round. Um, okay. and, uh, and the 18 is coming very soon. Very, very soon. Like, oh, you, sure. like you dropped the glass off today, right? I, got, I have corks. I have, um, I have caps. I mean, I have corks. I have labels i have glass um i have a corker that i can use but i've got to wait another week for a filler so i'm a little <laughs> bummed about that so we'll push back another week um but we're getting there we're getting there who would who would know that all this uh this bottling equipment would still be used in the first of september yeah i mean yeah, people got to make room yeah 
And Sam, what even, are we even this year? What am I, I tapping? Um, what am I using I, my Coravin for next? So the um, I grabbed the Val Rossi homage, okay. twenty sixteen Val Rossi homage, which All is right. what I what I gave to to John as well. Um, you know, the sixteen steel plow homage is also in there, um, and basically what what most of the Phil sent me list will get is in the reds is a is a tour of 2016 and, I, and i've talked before about um you know 2016 being just one of the great vintages of all time and and the thing especially about 2016 um it's just great fruit signatures and and these wines um the thing I remember about 2016 being in the winery and, and tasting, um, you know, tasting wine coming out of the press and coming out, you know, free run juice when it was dry, like just as it was dry um, and going, you know, these wines are, are ready to release. They, people would drink mm. these now. Um, so they're, they're just like really fun, vibrant kind of vintage. Um, and so we're, we're going 2016 across the board. So we have the steel plow homage, which is, um, you know, a Grenache Syrah Mavedra blend, same with the 2016 Val Rossi homage, uh, 2016 Dos Limones Zinfandel, uh, and then the, the crazy thing about this whole lineup, um, and that I've never done this before with, a, with our, you know, regular release, um, is everybody's getting a bottle of the 2016 Simon's Cabernet, which is our Moon Mountain District, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, top, top of the line cab. Um, so I'm excited about that. And, you know, because of the Sonoma Valley Rosé, I'm able to kind of play with, play with my numbers and make everybody make that work and make everybody happy and have a little celebration of 2016, you know, which was, um, which was a great vintage. Um, this is the aromatics on this wine are amazing. It's crazy. And this is, you know, this is just Rossi ranch, classic Rossi ranch with that, um, sort of like, Asian five spice kind of thing that it's got going on a little like star anise and yeah and you know, even a little, tiny bit of caramel in there um and then your classic and, and, grenache flavor you're getting some licorice in there too you know and I think um I think it's the Rossi ranch when you talk about kind of the the way that herbal sort of fresh minty kind of thing is happening in the in the Roussan I think whatever's going on at the Rossi ranch translates to those sort of, you know, darker spices um, in the Grenache. Uh, hmm. I don't know. And this is, you know, this is a brand new release for us. Um, and, you know, we, we, with the Rossi Ranch, I always feel like it's the wine that needs the most time. Um, but the 16 is just screaming out of the gate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Have you, I know you picked up a bottle bar. You didn't pop into it yet though, right? Did not. I'll, uh, I'll get into that tonight. And you know what I told John when he picked his up the other day, yesterday was it to like you know open it an hour half hour before you're ready to start drinking it I think really helps I, you know I I corvined um, just a little bit into a glass and then we went on to whatever tangent of conversation we were on uh, and it sat there for like 15 minutes and I think that that was really good um, to to make those aromatics pop especially Brian mm. uh, it's a really nice new addition Sam really beautiful. Yeah. super expansive in your mouth. I mean, when you get it in your mouth, it just hits every corner. And, you know, not for nothing, but this is the, this is the 94 in the wine advocate. This was our, our top scorer. Oh, no um, shit. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny though, with, with a, with a wine club release um, and the, the feedback I keep getting from people is like, Oh shit, you got a 94. Don't raise the price. <laughs> like the wine club, the wine club members um, don't, like I said, they don't need a, a magazine to tell them that a wine is good. They, they've been buying these wines. That's why they're members. Um, but it is nice to, you know, send something out with that kind of critical, um, you know, critical uh, review and, um, you know, reinforce what hopefully our members already think is that we make, we make good stuff. So. That's what it is, Sam. It's a reinforcement that people, your place is a different kind of place. People come in there and they, they drink what they like and then they buy what they like. And it's, it's like those car commercials. They say car commercials aren't for advertising for people to come buy the car. It's for after you've already bought the car, you see the car commercial and go, yeah, like, I, it was a good decision that I made for buying that Reinforced car. Reinforced that good decision. Absolutely, yeah. Brian. Yeah. I, I dig that analogy. Yeah. I don't want to move on. I want to. You don't want to move on. Well, I might, want, so I might go get another you glass. Don't, you don't really have to. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the other, the other thing to talk about would be the, the Simon's cab. Uh, Wait a minute. What? We can talk about everything else. You can taste, you can taste them all, Brian, and tell me about them. I, I only have the three that we've talked about so far because. Oh. Yeah. All right. I'm well, you guys, you, you guys go ahead. I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna hit up the, uh, the dos limones. Are you gonna go dos limones in? Oh no 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 no. You know no. I'm not. Sorry. I'm doing. I'm doing. Um, steel, uh, plow. steel plow. I mean, probably should have done steel plow, before the Rossi. Um, steel plow is is a is a not a lighter expression but sort of a brighter Ooh. yeah this is very different and it's been a minute since i tried these wines sam because i haven't yeah, um, yeah. haven't yeah, been well, around the tasting house and and the cool thing about doing you know it's it's sort of the half and half old and new or not sort of old but um some repeats is you know we we're always changing the lineup so frequently here in the tasting house even with our you know covid operations um that you kind of forget what some of these wines taste like and you, yeah. and you don't go back to them for a little while and then and then you revisit this you know the 16 steel plow homage and the 16 dos limones zin um and and there's you know new elements and there's the, the familiarity that kind of pops um and then you kind of see how it's evolving. So that's, you know, I've always said that that's one of like my f absolute favorite parts of, of, you know, this job and what, and how we do it is, is getting to um, see that evolution in, in these wines. Yeah. And definitely this one is definitely more earth and, um, and a little bit more secondary um, uh, flavors. The steel plow. Yeah. Mm. I hear somebody sloshing around. Bart, you look like you're a very happy man today, sitting there at the taste, you know, big glass of wine, enjoying yourself. I had a very stressful morning today, John, so, um, you know, <laughs> it's just nice to be done. I just had a personal joint delivery. Sorry, guys. A PJD? A PJD. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Personal Joint Deliveries. <laughs> and Corbin. And Corbin. And there goes that sponsorship. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, well, wow. wow. so close. So close. <laughs> huh. 
That is fun. That's great, Sam. You know what's great is if to try these wines side by side because you're looking at almost the same blend of grapes, right? It's almost the same right. numbers as far. You're just talking about a different vineyard that honestly is not very far from each other. Not far from each other at all. Com completely different wine. Yeah. And, and it is, that is kind of, you know, I mean, that's always been our goal with 16,600 is, is oh. to, to show those really, you know, drastic differences. It's not subtle differences. These wines are really different and, and really everything about them couldn't be more similar except for um, a few miles. Yeah. I mean, definitely much more um, savory spice to the uh, steel plow, like almost Grieg and the, um, and, and definitely more focus on the center of the palate where that, that, um, the, the Rossi just like explodes in your mouth. Yeah. Man. All right. Am I the only one that's got Dos Limones Zinfandel? You're the only one who has all, who has all, all six. Oh, wow. Well, Bart got all six, but, um, you know, he is invaded the... Drank them last night. <laughs> drank them all last night, which is why his, yeah. why we started an hour, you know, an hour late on our recording this morning. <laughs> well, then Paul... I told Paul, I said, you know, I, I've actually tasted a couple of these. Why don't you just give me... Nope, take them all. So I, them all. I appreciate that, Paul. You totally took care of me. <laughs> well, he, he originally gave me the 16 Estates Infidel, And then on my way, then I left. And on my way to work, he said, I gave you the wrong wine. I was like, oh, okay, no, no big deal. He said, no, I'm going to drop it off on, on my way home. So he came to the hotel and I said, hold on, let me grab the 16 estate and I'll swap you for the, um, for the Dos Limones. He's like, no, keep it here. Just take this one. So that was very sweet. Totally taking that out of his paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. You're so punitive, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that's just Ooh. your fault. <laughs> Dos Limones to me is, you know, the, the estate Zinfandel is always really distinct is like it's it could only be from that place. Dos Limones to me is, is like the classic old school. This is what Sonoma Zin is all about. Kind of that, that bramble and blackberry, um, you know, a little bit of spice, the, the, the thorniness of the acid, um, just like. Mm. Brent's getting into it. Brian's going to... Totally. I dig it. I, I like the little mason jar he's just... Uh, yeah, that mason jar is getting full. Yeah, it is. That's, Man, the, for those the, of you listening at home, be really glad that this isn't a video hmm. podcast because you yeah. just a jar full of spit out wine. <laughs> really awesome. Man. But we've moved well, on to some... Classy guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is a different thing. The tannin structure on this is so different from those... those um, last three uh reds i mean the last two reds this has got some grip to it it is those like cat's tongue tannins it's not drying at all it's just got that really nice fine sandpaper grip to it definitely a, a drier wine I'm gonna, I'm gonna go grab the cab to corvin it also so um hmm. and that you know I, I intentionally didn't give you the cab john not because i'd worried you were gonna drink it all but because you basically drink zin and cab from us for the most part yeah. Um, I wanted to send something totally different, which is why I sent you with the Rossi and the... And the Believe me, very happy, and, and they are tasting beautiful. If, really if you want to try the cab in the Zen, John, you're, you, you know, you're more than welcome. <laughs> what, what happened to Syrah, John? What Did you... you no longer a Syrah fan? 
I know. I just haven't had uh, some really great McLaren lately. And I took uh, that off the list at the, at the Fig, uh, which I was shocked and surprised about. Honestly, um, I've been having a McLaren Syrah there for I don't know a couple of years, and yeah. I was sad, sad to see the passing of that phase go. So. Well, it's it's one of those things I think that's happening right now. I know it's happening to me that you're whatever you had pre-COVID you're pouring it off and you're not buying more of that. You're then moving on to something else that you had before COVID, which is unfortunately for you guys, not the, not the best, but that's, that's kind of the position the restaurants are in right now is got to get through inventory. Cause a lot of us had stocked up. I, I know I had, I had stocked up for spring and summer with some big case buys and, and then, you know, everything got shut down. So you're just got to, you got a bunch of stock you got to get through. So, but what is I, a nor- what, what's a normal purchase like? Time, right? A normal purchase? Yeah, when you go when you go buy a case case loads of these wines, what's a, a normal buy for you? Um, usually, like three to five, I think is the yeah three to five would be normal. But but I had gotten you know the more you buy, you can if you. I never wanted to charge more for wine. I always wanted to pay less for wine. So like you, so you could. I never wanted to raise the price by the glass, but if we wanted to, to help our wine costs, it was, what can I do to, to pay less for the wine? So a lot of people will let you buy, you know, if you say I'm willing to buy 25, 30 cases, or I'll commit to 50 cases, but I don't want them all right now, but I'll commit to taking those 50 cases over a period of time, then you can get the price down a little bit because they crunch the numbers and figure that that works out for them. You know, that's okay. So that's what, that's what I did with, with some of the wines, you know, mostly spa wines. Like it was super easy drinking stuff like, you know, some rosé and some, um, some white blend stuff, stuff like that, where you just do a big purchase. But then when you get into the higher end stuff, sometimes you're just buying a three pack or you're buying a, a six pack, you know, a case will be six bottles. So you're just, you know, cause it's stuff that you're not going to go through right away. Or sometimes that's all they let you have. Right. There you go. Allocations, I'm sure. You know, on the better stuff. Yeah, and I'm assuming allocations will, I think attitudes will change, um, you know, probably have right now about getting access to some higher end stuff without, you know, it used to be, oh, if you bought this, we'll give you access to this. But they're probably letting people slide a little bit and get a little more flexible. Like they have to to survive. Yeah. Um, And then what did I just, I just joined the Tobless Creek um, wine club. I got to make sure my wife's not in the room. They, um, <laughs> they released their, um, Berbalonk. It's the first vintage of their Berbalonk and it was only available. It had to be a wine club member. So yesterday <laughs> in bed, yesterday morning, I joined the wine club, purchased my wines and then we'll see, I'll probably get a shipment or two. You know, if you're going to belong to a wine club, like, you know, my wife has Gloria Ferrer, which suits her taste, but Tablas Creek is a pretty good one to belong to because it's all stuff that you know, we, we all like to drink and they're the ones that are pushing the off. in Dane Sellers wine. Club. Of course. I'm talking about, you know, for, <laughs> I'm talking about people that already are wine club members of 16600 Dane Sellers. If you're looking for one more, Tablas Creek has got, they've got the Tourette Noir, they got the Berbalonk, the Clarette Blanche, they have the Picardine, like everything you love about Rhone. Um, they're the ones that, that have it first and get it all classified. And then you can, you can taste what that tastes like in the new world. Well, you Brian, know, did you actually say Tourette's? 
Is that what, is there a blend called Tourette's? Uh, Tourette Noir, T-E-R-R-E-T, yeah. Okay. Well, and yeah, you know that it matters. Tablas Creek is the place that the clones are named after that are in this right. country, in this day. You know, you have, they're not the only clones of Grenache and Saram, Mavedra and all these varieties, but they are one of the known commodities, one of the proven entities of Rhones in California. So, you know, if you have Tablas Creek Grenache, you know, you're going to get a certain flavor profile. And, and, you know, Brian, there's a lot of the Tablas Creek Grenache um, at, at steel plow i think that's where you get that really sort of like you know the savory notes the the sort of like linear uh aspect to it where it's really like you know like front to back um yeah focus that's that's that really focused element yeah exactly that's that's tablas creek that tension um yeah no that's uh, i'm excited to see what you get from your tablas creek shipments and what you'll and and share with us yeah right Ooh. And uh, actually, did you open the pick pool? Um, oh, from no. Jennifer Reichardt? No, thank you for that, though. That's that's Welcome. twice in the last week that I've gotten a wine delivery at the Fairmont. So yesterday with Paul and Jasmine dropped off the bottle of uh, pick pool. And what, you know what was really funny is um, um, at that time when she dropped it off, out at the Water Tower bar at one table, I had TJ, the winemaker from Domaine Carneros, uh, Ann Moller Rocke, the winemaker for Blue Farm, and who now works with you know your dad over at um, Stone Edge, and uh, Saul from Cafe La Haye, and they were they were drinking um, Litterai um, Pinot. Um, they were looking for the I, TJ's got this thing about thirteen Pinots, like he, he's actively seeking out the 2013 vintage. I don't <laughs> there's something about him that he really likes, and I didn't have the Lay Larms 13, but I had the 14, so they ended up drinking that, and then they got the uh, Jay Rocchioli um 13 um pinot as well so they're like try this try this oh this is really good and then jasmine dropped off that bottle and i walked out back and i said this is a gift from someone who truly knows me <laughs> and it was the, the pick pool pick pool with an oyster shell on the, as the, on the yeah yeah keep your keep your 2013 pinot <laughs> i'm i'm drinking pick pool tonight so thank you. That was awesome. And that's from, that's Jennifer Reichardt's. Yeah, Jennifer Reichardt and, and her husband, fiance. Um, they're they're like, married. They're married now. They're married. It's yeah. a, like a little collaborative effort. And I think there's, um, I, I believe there's a charitable aspect or it. it's going to the restaurants or I, I can't remember. Bought it at uh, Miracle Plum. Oh, yeah. Went to Miracle oh, Plum. Oh, super cool. Okay. Hey, shout out to Miracle Plum. Still doing their oh, things. Nice open got the killer wine selection they you can pre-order it and then just you know they'll hand it to you right out the door and i think they do have like plan my santa rosa trips around like okay if i go here first then i'm lined up on the one-way street to park right in front of miracle plum on my way on my way home you know and then jump right back on the freeway and exactly yeah how many and how many times will you drive around the block waiting for that spot to open up uh, you know, I get I get pretty lucky. I'm I'm not that picky. There's spots down there. There's spots down there. I, the last time I was there, I was in I was picking up a, a play structure for Althea, and I was in my dad's truck, and I I um got very lucky not having to parallel park a, a giant F250 full of stuff in the back. <laughs> Sam, there's someone who works for your dad who lives right by the Fairmont um, loading dock entrance because the truck is parked in, in, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
He was, he was one of the guys who worked for my dad for a long time, Menyo. He's okay. one of the, the like runs the I, I I believe his he like runs the tractor crew. So he goes around, you know, like when we're doing sprays in the middle of the night in the in the spring and stuff like that, he's going around making sure that everybody's doing their job and, and has the equipment they need and the tractors are, are you know, fueled up and things like that. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't work late. The trucks usually when I'm getting to work, the truck is already parked there. So he's Yeah, I mean, you know, even when even in normal time of year, if you start work at six, you're home by three thirty four. Yeah. So, um and then so, in the springtime he works in the middle of the night. Right. So let's talk about the the cab. Talk about this vineyard and like people that haven't heard the story before, like who who owns this um, vineyard and how you guys. Brian, got- you're gone. We're losing Brian again. Well, yeah, it's, it's a really good question too. It was going to be such an insightful question. <laughs> Mark, what do you think about the cab? Out. I think the cab. You know, last night um, I opened it up and. Uh, you know, definitely like a lot of red, red fruit on the aromas um, and uh, kind of similar kind of classic Cabernet um, characteristics in, in the, in the fruit in the mouth um, and, and, and really, really easy drinking. I mean, um, there's definitely tan in there that's going to age out nicely, but it, it tastes a lot I don't want to say it tastes a lot older. It tastes a lot um, mature than what it, you know, what, what it would be. And, and I know you've talked about this. This is kind of a, a cool grape growing site on Moon Mountain. And I imagine some of that lends itself to it, that it's a long ripening time. So the tannins have a long time to, to balance out. Yeah, 100%. This is, this is always our last harvest, our last pick. Um and so I think that probably has a lot to do. Then again, I think that what, you know, what you're talking about is, is classic 2016 where it's, you know, yeah. the fruit, the fruit signature is really sort of prominent. Um, they're, they're great, fresh drinking wines. Um, you know, they're going to have cellar life, but I don't think, you know, I think if you wanted to lay down a bottle um, 15, 2013 Pinot Noir, maybe Brian, um, you know, 15 and 13 are probably better, like 15 year cellar life kind of wines where the 16s, you know, they're four years old. Now they probably have another really good, like four or five years, six years. Yeah. Uh, Why did Bart take himself off of the video? Brian, we're losing you again. Okay. And Sam, I think we're down to you and me, buddy. I think Bart's, Bart's going back. <laughs> Brian, I think you should just go no video, man. Hold up. Dead air. Brought to you by Corvin. <laughs> it's, dead air is our guy. Oh, That's yeah. just dead air, baby. Heavy right. air. That's heavy air. Can you guys yeah. hear me? And it's interesting. You know, what do they put in there and why? Uh, I want to know. It's, it's, like it's, mine, it's, it, it's argon. It's it's um, it, it's it's air that's heavier than um, oxygen or or nitrogen. So it pushes off any oxygen off the um, top of the wine in the headspace. So, so, ar- so there's there's nitrogen, there's mm-hmm. CO two, and there's argon. Those are the three most commonly used. 
nitrogen is similar to what we breathe, right? It's um, uh, uh, our oxygen that we breathe has more nitrogen and oxygen in it, I believe. And then um, heavier, but it's heavier than nitrogen. So it still protects the wine CO2. Um, and then the next heaviest is argon. And it, and these are all inert gases, meaning that they don't um, put any sort of flavor or um, have any impact on the wine. It's purely that, to drive the oxygen away. Right. And that's what I find fascinating, that there's no impact. I, I've right. had in, in the five years that we've been open in the tasting room, I've had one person come in and, and say that she could taste argon. So that she was she was not a Corvin fan because of the because of the argon. She said she claimed to have been able to taste it. Um, so I, 